I have sacrificed my family. I have sacrificed my girlfriend. I have sacrificed my personal life. I've sacrificed my finances. I've had to do that. Saying you're going to have to do it. But if you're going to start something and you want to increase your chances of success, you have to be willing to say at some point in time, I'm going to have to grab that gear. Am I willing to grab it? That's a hard gear to grab. This is Billy Campbell, the Fowl Hunter with Dr. Duck, and you guys are listening to Big Frig's My Way of Life podcast. What's up, guys? It's Blaine, a.k.a. Crack with the Mud Buns. You're listening to the My Way of Life podcast like this. You're listening to the Big Frig My Way of Life podcast. Showcasing people living the My Way of Life lifestyle. Brought to you by BigFrig.com. Big Frig! Hello, everybody. My name is Scott Papik, and I am in uh, one of the coolest i wouldn't even it's not a shack man this place is awesome the tajma shack the tajma shack it's the tajma shack the tajma shack i am in um it's not des moines what's the actual town urbandale urbandale you're in in urbandale i'm in urbandale iowa at the mud bum supply shack uh they were kind enough to let uh let me come in and visit with them and uh, I've got three of the dudes with me. I've got uh, Johnny, Willie, and Blaine. What's up? What's up, my man? Thanks for making the journey. Thanks for coming. Great yeah. to have you. It's awesome to be here. We're sitting around with everybody. I'm really glad you got to see me today, Scott. Just, so, <laughs> thanks, man. Thank you. So we just met I don't know, a couple hours ago. Been hanging out. So what you don't know, like <clears throat> their energy that they, you guys have an incredible energy and. I've already had a bullhorn on me. I've been hit in the behind. There's been a lot of pranks going on. Uh, all out of love, though, right? Sure. So we tell all our guests. Yeah. I'm on video somewhere, somehow. They already got Guaranteed. me. Guaranteed. <laughs> uh, it's been a pure joy. And it's nice to be able to sit here and relax while you guys sit around and have some IPAs and, and uh, shoot the crap here for a bit. So let's start off with your pre-Mud Bums. Uh, let's start off with your background. Let's start with you, Blaine. Uh, background previous to Mud Bum, hard kid to handle, graduated with a 1.9 GPA by the skin of my teeth in 02, uh, schooling fell through, stayed in the construction field, worked in the construction field primarily in the flooring trades, starting out in the residential area and eventually migrating into the commercial world, uh, was doing that up until January 6th of 2016, started out on the labor end. And by the time I left, was negotiating contracts um, for a company that we helped essentially quintuple in sales in in 36 months. So it was awesome, man. Yeah. Sounds like it. Willie? Uh, Born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, Grew up uh, pretty much in the woods. Uh, Grew up on a lake and uh, playing in the woods. And um, really just fell in love with the outdoors at an early age. And got to a point in my life where never really excelled at anything but being in the woods and on the water. And kind of found that that was my passion. Um, dabbled in a lot of different jobs in the construction world. Um, and ultimately found myself um, working here with Mudbum because it's a passion to be working in the outdoor space. So uh, much like these guys, grew up, except uh, one main difference is I grew up in a small town, Iowa. So I actually didn't grow up in Des Moines. Um uh, loud, boisterous kid, uh, la- no. fourth. <laughs> I was the fourth, so you know everyone says that's the that's the clown kid. Um, did a lot of stupid things as a kid. Slow learner, broke a lot of bones, ramped a lot of bikes. 
uh, learned a lot of hard lessons, went on, went to college, um, did the whole college thing, graduated, worked in corporate America for 11 plus years uh, until I came and joined the Mudbum team. So pulled that pin and threw the grenade about exactly a year ago this week, really. Um, and so I've been on the team for about a year and threw that grenade and still waiting for it to explode. So <clears throat> how did the um, how the whole Mudbums come together? Ooh, oh, mm. Mm. Ah. Oh. Oh. Is, every, is everybody uncomfortable yet? Good. I wanted to make everybody as uncomfortable as possible listening to that because it's it's uh, this is kind of like a fire hose of information to the face, and you you need twenty seven beers to hear hear it. Uh, but the very short answer on that, um, the mud bums came together through. It's it we were longtime buddies, so two of us two of us graduated the same year in high school. Myself and Shiner, graduate Aaron Craiger. I graduated the same year. Met him uh, January 16th of 1998 is when I met him. <clears throat> Known each other since. And then Niles and Reed, a.k.a. Willie and Red, were three years behind me and Aaron. And uh, what a lot of people don't know is Aaron and Reed are brothers. And so Niles and Red naturally are buddies. Me and Aaron are naturally buddies. And you hang out with your buddies and your brother's buddies. And your buddy's brother's buddies. So that's kind of how the whole thing started. And then there was another guy uh, that that essentially took us out for our first time diddy polling. And that's kind of how the whole thing started was we saw a method of fishing that could be approved upon, improved upon. And that's what happened. So You guys agree? Yeah. I mean, it, it, the long or the short answer, uh, definitely. But it really was just a... Like he said, a group of guys that were good buddies that had an idea, went out and executed it, and it, I don't think the plan was ever really to become the Mud Bums. It, it never started as that. It evolved into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and like if you look at where we're at today, so there's a lot. There's a lot of chapters in this short amount of time. There's a lot of ground to cover, and the hardest part is to really kind of wrap your head around who we are today and who we were then. We're still the same people. There's nothing that's changed right. in, in terms of who we are as humans, the, the character, the things that we really love, our passions, what we really aspire to do, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things that have happened since then. Everybody thinks that we're just catfishing guys. And so in the outdoor world, in the outdoor space, you got Pursuit Channel and Outdoor Channel and you know NBC and you got all these different sports platforms. And when we came out with our first show, we were immediately like, oh yeah, those are the catfishing guys. They're the catfish guys from Iowa, the mud bums, the catfish guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, really, it's, it is true we like to catfish, but that couldn't be further from the truth that we're the catfish guys. Let me be very clear. We like to catfish. We, we do enjoy that. But, if, but I would be lying to anybody that stood here today if I told them that that was our passion. It's not mine. It's not my passion. It's a thing I like to do during a season of the year, right? That's who we are. We're dudes that like spending time with each other. The passions change throughout the seasons. But as long as we're together and we're doing something, that's who we are. We just kind of got painted into a corner because we invented a product that in existed into a space. That, that That's the natural way that it happened. So I'm guessing your passion is just when you guys are out in the wild together and it doesn't really matter what you're doing. 
Absolutely. And, and, and really, it, all, it doesn't even have to be in the wild. I prefer the wild, right? But you can throw me in a circle with any of these dudes, any of these guys doing anything. doesn't matter where we're at. I mean, we could be in the, the Target parking lot driving remote-controlled beavers across the parking lot, <laughs> scaring people. I'm going to have a great time with these guys doing that. Uh, and if you're wondering, yes, that happened last week. That did happen. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't exactly well received with everybody. Right. We'll just leave it at that. But not everyone thought we were as funny as we did. Mm, yeah, and, and when the side door got opened up on my truck from the individual that didn't appreciate it so much, I think they were just as shocked to see that it was two <laughs> men sitting in there that were in their mid-30s. <laughs> I think she was just as shocked about that as the fact that there was a remote control beaver that just drove out from underneath of a half-ton Chevrolet pickup truck and parked in the handicap spot. Yeah, I think we were probably older than she was. <laughs> uh, and she was expecting some 17-year-olds. Yeah, so, I mean, we could be doing anything, and, and, and as, long as, we're, uh, as long as we're together, we're having it work. We're good. We're good. So... Let's talk about when you have, when you do an episode. You're going to go film an episode. How many days is that? What does that look like? Like, what does the start to to the end look like for you guys? Um, we could even go into the preparation to find your spot, um, and then how much you guys will actually stay at base camp, and then come back. What does that kind of look like time wise? Well, they're all every trip's a little different depending on what we're gonna go try to accomplish or do. But a typical camping trip, we'll we'll prep probably about a week in advance. And can you hear me all right? It's yeah, all good. You're okay. good. Cool. So we'll probably be, so uh, you only do <clears throat> so you're saying for your trip you you're to say hey one week out you're like we're going here. No 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 no, no. I'm saying that on the actual prep of gear and, and stuff. Got no it. no okay. we'll we'll sit down well in advance and determine location, uh, what we're gonna be doing and when that, what date that is on the calendar and to we'll block it off. To interrupt you for a second, though, it could if it's like spring and it's the water temperature hits the right spot. It could, yeah, we could <clears throat> roll on a moment's notice if we. But if that's we just to. been from your experience and like, all right, go time, let's just go, right? And, yeah, well, it's go. better to plan it. Yeah, I mean, there's anything. certain times of the year that we're quote unquote on call and nimble, and other times of the year where it's more like preparation and this is on the books. Right. If that makes sense. Yep, absolutely. So then it's uh, usually about a week of prep, just going through all of our gear, making sure that you know. Boats are all checked out. Everything's working. Everything's uh, functioning properly. We have all the gear. Everything is organized. We have everything that we need for the week. And it's usually uh, we take off on a Saturday and we return on a Friday or a Sunday. Okay. Depending on the fishing's good, you know, we might have a killer trip in four days and we're like, hey, we can go home. Or we might be struggling to catch a fish and we're going to stay an extra two days. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're variable in that in that regard. Um yeah, that's, I mean, that's usually about a week of prep for a week of camping. That base camp you guys set up is pretty awesome. Let's talk about that. Um, from the TV shows, it's, they look pretty epic. I mean, you know, it's not just tents and up. Like, it's a living space. That's pretty cool. It is. It's, uh, man, it's not roughing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's just, it's not roughing it. Um there's dudes out there who are, uh, like, call it for what it is, like your Jim Shockies, maybe, mm -hmm. right? You're going to find this dude in Antarctica living 37 feet below the surface, 
you know, hunting at night with all different types of things that just are unfathomable, right? Mm -hmm. He's the wild guy. We, uh, we light centronella candles and, uh, you know, carve steps into the muddy bank and you can pretty, and we groom our camp with rakes and weed eaters. I mean, the goal for us is if we're there for seven days, man, it's going to be livable. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be one of the most, uh, enjoyable weeks that we can make it. And so we know that by doing that, um, the tents are going to be perfect. The kitchen's going to be perfect. The food is going to be perfect. The setting is going to be perfect. Everything's going to be as perfect as possible so that you're relaxed and you're laughing. And the only thing you have to worry about is not survival. It's not eating. It's not, you know, scary animals and bugs. It's the only thing I'm worried about is who, who's going to crack the biggest joke. Who's, who's going to do the most ridiculous thing, right? That's what we're worried about. And we try to build that because that's why we're there, right, is to have a good time. So how much prep do you guys spend on pranks? <laughs> Thinking of pranks to do on these trips. I mean, and then you can't share it with your buddies because you're the one that's going to. Mm -hmm. So who do you bounce that idea off with the pranks? I would say a lot of it just kind of happens moderately on the fly. But I'll also say that there are pranks that have been in planning phase for nine years. months or years that haven't even happened and may not even happen for two more years. <laughs> Because the timing's not right. Um, I know we got Willie pretty good last year, and he's ever since then been telling us, just wait, boys, just yeah. wait. So that's been December that he's been plotting on something against us that we don't even know when or where. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know what we're referring to, when we went down duck hunting with the boys in Louisiana with Gator Tracks Boats at Springfield, Louisiana. Again, they're just like you guys. They're a partner of ours. Mm -hmm. And they've gotten to be really good friends. And I can already tell. We're boys. We're good. We're okay. We're good. Right? We're having, we're, yeah, we're, crack, we're drinking. Uh, yeah, we got a cold one. And we're, and cold ones. Yeah, we're Right, good. man. Life is good. Yeah. And so we went down there, duck hunting with them for the first time ever. We've known them for years. Set this whole thing up. This was, uh, what episode was this last year? 12 and 13, or 11 and 12. 11 and 12. And um, of course, we're with, there's, there's at least 10 guys there. And every guy is kind of like, oh, you... That was a seven. I, I think I can, you know, do an eight. Oh, oh, that was an eight. I think I can at least get a 9.3. So every guy's out doing the rest. And uh, lo and behold, Willie fell asleep first and got 60 mouse traps oh, placed around him. Uh, a thousand black cats went off in a giant boiling pot in the middle of a dark room, and he woke up to have a fire extinguisher shot off in his face. <laughs> <laughs> now, I laugh about it. Uh, knowing full well that my my turn's coming, right? And I but might that's what add, Johnny's talking about, I might add that he absolutely took it like a man. Oh, and giant man. there ha has been no uh, more gracious reception to a joke that I've seen. That's been that can beat that one. So no, I mean, and that's hats the thing. off to you, Willie. I was so discombobulated at the time and moment, <laughs> and I really had no idea what was really going on in my world, other than the fact that I thought I may have been shot at. Mm. Uh, on possibly uh, uh, sprayed with some type of chemical agent <laughs> and had to find my way out of this war zone that I had found, found myself in uh, when I passed out that night. Well, I'd like to just say that you would definitely be dead if that's how you reacted in a war <laughs> combat situation. You know what, you though? Sat there. I was shocked with, back to what you were saying, is how, how he reacted. Very, very, very few humans on this earth would have taken that pill like a man. 
Some people would actually get rid of friendships over yeah, that right. <laughs> It was brutal. I saw it. Yeah, it was bad. What, what was funny about it is like it actually I didn't bonded even, us closer. I didn't even fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize that like first you heard all the noise. I didn't even realize there was mouse tracks. And then he's leaning up and then he finally goes over. I'm like, oh that's bad. They got him twice, man. <laughs> they got him twice. Well, yeah, we didn't even get all the mouse traps set up because he started to wake up. So we were just like, all right, go. Push go the green time. button. It's go time. Luckily, we had uh, Mr. John Barnes, who's a, who's a Marine with us. So he's like, we got to roll, boys. We got to roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was hilarious. That's great times. Yeah. What are you guys doing? Sorry, let me rephrase that. What are you guys doing that others aren't? What are we doing that other personalities and shows are not doing? Is that correct? Yeah, you can come take what, this mic now because I did not ask that question correctly. You got it for me. Is that what you're that, asking? Exactly, yeah. Oh, but you guys want to answer I this? was just waiting on you to switch him spots. Oh, okay. Yeah, can we switch pants too? I oh, think okay. that your pants will actually be more comfortable than mine. This was all I had left. This you guys should just both get in his pants. I, we, we might. It's funny. I had a conversation with a gentleman. You know what? I'm just going to drop his name. I think he'd be totally cool with it. Uh, Benny Spies. I, I, I got to tip my hat to Benny Spies right now. I don't know if you, do you know who Benny Spies is. Okay. Uh, he's from South Dakota. But he is like, you have the individuals in every industry that kind of paves the way and breaks the ground. And, you know, he's the dude with the plow. And everybody almost kind of reaps a little bit of what he sowed. And every industry has that. Mm -hmm. For us, we can attribute a little bit to this path being cleared through the wood line to Benny Spies. Benny Spies was the first guy that really came out that said, uh, you know what, I'm going to buck the grain. I'm going to fight the system a little bit. Most of your outdoor shows currently are, uh, it, it really is people who sometimes are not real. For real. I mean, it's like, that's not the normal guy. The normal guy, does, he doesn't have $39,000 worth of gear that he's taking into the woods, mm -hmm. you know? And, and he doesn't speak like that. And he doesn't look like that. And, you know, a lot of times they miss. Mm -hmm. I know I miss, mm -hmm. right? I'm not the best fisherman. Willie took me to school crappie fishing a couple weeks ago. So the thing that, that we do that other people don't do is we really try to be real, you know? We really try to show it like it is. And I've been, I'm 33 years young, but I can tell you that I've been in, to enough fish camps and enough duck camps to know, or hunting camps to know that when there's no cameras, okay, dudes are real. And people like to laugh. People like to cut up. People like to have a good time. People like to talk. And people like being friendly with other people. That's just the way it is at duck camp or at hunting camp or at deer camp. But as soon as a camera gets turned on, all of a sudden everybody's got to be this epic superhero. And so that's the thing that we've really strived hard not to do. And in our industry, a lot of people don't take kindly to that. They just haven't, you know. Right. Um, from a viewership standpoint and even some of the people that are on our level kind of look at us and go, you know what, you guys are kind of idiots. And, and sometimes we are. But if you want to know the absolute truth and you want to put something out there that may or may not cause a little wave, put that out there. That's truth because that's the way it is. Anybody else? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would echo everything that you just said. And even if you want to go to our season finale from season four, I mean, that whole gigantic thing or that whole thing was based on a gigantic prank. 
So yeah, it was. Get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that that kind of plays along what we were talking about joking and messing around with each other, but also things that we are trying to do that maybe not everyone is doing is just trying to let our viewer, you know, our the viewership and everyone get in on the jokes and make them a part of the community because really like what is a mud bum? Well, it's anybody that grew up like us and likes to do all that stuff. So we want to include those people mm -hmm. and uh, try to just make everyone be welcome. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that was just staying who we are, true to our roots, where we came from, and, um, you know, not becoming somebody that we're not. That's really just been the whole basis of it all is just being who we are and portraying that <clears throat> to everybody that wants to watch our stupid jokes, antics, <laughs> fun time, stuff like that. And the serious times, too. Cause oh, yeah, because we are serious. Happen. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the most underrating thing in the world is storytelling. I think people need think you need to have the best camera, the best gear, the best drone, the best audio to create a good show, a good story. But yeah. it's really the story so true, doesn't man. matter. I mean, I see better stories and pictures on a phone than I do with people with $40,000 gear. When I watch your show... I feel a part of it. I'm not disc. I'm, I feel like a part of it. I feel like I'm there at times and I'm going to go to that storytelling on that prank. I mean, I was, I was till the end. <laughs> I watched that whole darn thing and I was like, how did that? I mean, the storytelling alone and what you did in there was amazing. Like I could not, I was like, why has he got a crane there? Like what? It can't be that big, but I literally did not know it was a crane. <laughs> Phenomenal. So I would really, I want to talk about that and to fill everybody in for whoever hasn't seen, seen what happened. Do you want to give the really quick uh, bullet points of that? Yeah. So we uh, established a homonym that exists within our world and the homonym is flathead. So homonym being a, a dual meaning word. And so a word with, with dual meanings. So flathead catfish. I don't think I need to explain that one. And then flathead screwdrivers. And so identifying the flathead through a good friend of ours who identified the homonym, and then we just expounded on that. Is that the word? Johnny's a wordsmithing genius, so I always look at him for approval. So we just kind of, we expounded on that, and the storyline was the mud bums landed the world's largest flathead and just broke the world's uh the world record flathead and so what we ended up doing was we partnered with a company two companies here in town des moines metal fab uh, a guy by the name of hank newell who can build anything out of metal steel aluminum doesn't matter he designed fabricated the whole nine this giant flathead that's how long johnny it is 23 seven and three quarters so it's 7.16 meters for all of you over the pond listening. And what is the current world record? Because there is a current world record that we had to break. And we had to bring it back to the old red, white, and blue. That's so right. it was over in India, mm -hmm. ironically. It was 20 feet, 9 inches. 6.0 something meters. I mm -hmm. forget that one. but So we thought that just would be great. Uh, we'll break that record. And there was... So there was a couple of different thoughts on how we were going to reveal it. Um but we, we settled on the excavator idea. I mean, we talked about helicopters. We talked about trucks. 
And there was a lot of that going on, a lot of that planning going on. But. Yeah, and that guy, uh, our gracious landowner who provided the the scene and the excavator and all that was he didn't know what was going on either. We didn't really give him a lot of information, <laughs> and so we had to keep that hush hush for a little it's while. Like, hey, man, you 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 care if we take over your creek bottom, your giant farm, and your huge es- excavator for a weekend? And he's like, no, that's totally cool. <laughs> yeah, and, and he went even as far as to say, oh no, I'll transport that wherever you want. Whatever I mean. Awesome dude, a guy I've known for 20 years, and he's unbelievable. So that's the storyline. It happened on April Fools. We called the network. We called the Sportsman Channel. Said, "Hey guys, are you guys interested? What's your buy-in?" They said, "Move full throttle." Um, we got a hold of uh, Mark Zona. We were actually with Bill Dance and Mark Zona at Lake X with Mercury in January. And while we were there, uh, Johnny and I took a camera down there on the plane, and we got those two guys to get in on the joke with us. So we filmed Bill Dance in his hotel room and Mark Zona in the lobby of the hotel because we got to hang out with him for a couple days. And um, so they were in on it. We got everybody's blessing all across the board. And everybody's like, yeah. So it was it was real. It was fun. It, it was fun because it was totally out of the typical norm of the of the outdoor space. And And did we lose some viewership? Yeah, we lost a little bit of viewership. Did we gain others? Yeah, yeah, we did. But it was worth it to, uh, for us, the few that we lost for what we gained and for people to see our real true core, it was worth yeah. it for us. Yeah. Because, man, really, if, if you're not the type of person that likes a joke and you don't like to cut up, we're probably not your cup yeah. of soup. Right. Uh, but if, if you like some good dudes that, that like to cut up and but can still carry on an intellectual conversation and understand that there's a time and a season for everything, we're probably your guy. When you were actually putting it together, did you think it was going to fly like it did or not? Well, I think that whole thing, I mean, that's that's a whole podcast in itself and then some. So it's going to be hard to uh, give this in a in a quick manner. But how did it come about? I'll try to hit some bullet points. How did it become? How did it come about? Well, it was an accident, like most things in life, you know, that that are just kind of wild. But it was another episode fell through and myself Mr. Crash and uh, Lauren, our producer, had a meeting on January 1st, New Year's Day. We we're supposed to leave on the 3rd, and it fell through. So we're like, all right, well, we're not going to do that. What are we going to do? Well, now we have an episode to film. So that that we were kind of looking through some calendars and throwing some wild ideas out. And Lauren, our producer, is the guy that was like, oh, my gosh. Do you realize that our finale airs on April 1st? And so we're like, we just all kind just of, for the record, Mr. Lauren, a.k.a. Danger Dad with the videotaper guys is not a black and white dude either. He's he likes some creative, funny oh, yeah. prank stuff. So mm-hmm. go ahead. Continue. So on we all that. just kind of looked at each other and nobody said a word. And there were no <laughs> words that needed to be spoken. So that's when the ideation began. And uh, so <clears throat> we, you know, whatever time passed, we get we arrived at the idea. We had the particulars of the build and everything nailed down. And then it came down to the the planning and, you know, like you were talking about the believability of the of the interviews and stuff. Most of those were unscripted, just off the cuff. And there were a few takes, but um, that was pretty much just like uh, everyone just kind of freestyling. And there were a few different takes. And really, the, it came down to the editing and the story of what, what was the story we wanted to tell and mm-hmm. how are we going to do the reveal. And we actually did the reveal sequence we shot it after we shot the interviews so we had already told the story and then had to kind of like create a situation that that matched up with that so that was a little bit difficult difficult and that's nothing any of us have ever even come close to doing 
Yeah, there was a storyline with no script, and it was just imagine yourself in this environment. Let let me paint a picture for everybody. It's like we all had to meet and say, okay, here's the picture that we, we that we need to paint, and you have to put yourself into that moment with that emotion with the lady that's interviewing you as she's interviewing you and you're responding like that just happened. And, and like Johnny said, that didn't happen at all. So there was no script. It was roll with it. You're, you got mad acting skills. And another, another fun fact about that is that lady that, <laughs> that interviewed us didn't even know anything about it. When she showed up, she had no idea what she was doing. And we just, <laughs> she thought she was doing some serious thing. And we're like, Oh no, this is a giant joke. And she's like, wait, what? And to take it even one step further, it's not like we were all there together when we did the interviews. We were actually at the Iowa Deer Classic, which that's the biggest show for us uh, in Iowa. And we rented a room in the hall, in Hy-Vee Hall, at Iowa Deer Classic. And we had guys work in the booth. And then it'd be like, oh, hey, by the way, Shiner, uh, you're up. Head upstairs to get interviewed by Lindsay. And then she would interview you, and then you'd like roll back down and take over the booth again and start selling T-shirts to people and and signing kids' shirts. So it was, it wasn't like there was a lot of prep, and we were all in the room. It was you got a double team, double task today. This is what you're doing. What are some challenges that you guys face that people might not expect? Well, we just had one recently. Um, we were affected by Medicaid. How's that one? That one's that one's actually going to turn into a giant mountain for us. Never would I ever thought that our company and our standard operating procedure and the way in which we do things within uh, divisions of our company is going to be affected by Medicaid, but it just happened. Um, and it, it's going to affect our assembly and our manufacturing because of the people that we use. And uh, we now have to build a completely different manufacturing and assembly business model coming by the by the end of the month. And so we, we, we deal with that stuff. Um, American made has been very tough. We deal with that. Um, we've dealt with that. You guys got any that just pop up real quick off the top of your heads that, that things we deal with? I mean, you know, the same problems a lot of people deal with when they're trying to grow and scale and, you know, just personnel and time and prioritization and resources. The same old thing there but yeah he hit on some some great ones that are pretty unique that i would have never guessed uh running up against you know i think uh i think in terms of like business creation entrepreneurship patenting trademarking and then just being the person who's who's going to look at in the face of adversity and everyone telling you that can't work still being able to find the answer um we dealt with the design of our cap on the hog log. So that's seven years, nine generations of prototypes, $50,000. That's what the hog log really was. That was the product that we invented and started manufacturing. That cap, that cap alone, that is made out of acetel. And acetel is essentially a, a non-hygroscopic plastic, meaning it will not absorb moisture. You have to have that if you put plastic in an environment where there's moisture, right? Especially if it if it is reliant upon being able to twist out of another piece of plastic because if it if it swells you won't get it out we learned that lesson the hard way remember willie and i dealing with that the point i'm trying to make is when we created that during a, a plastic injection mold uh during that whole like creation of the part thing they've got uh 
thermo uh, expansion and contraction, and there's there's actual rates that they have to build into that. And I remember sitting down with personnel after per person after person after person after person after person that said, you cannot create that part out of acetyl or acetyl, depending on the circles you're in. And we just kept going to the next guy and kept going to the next guy and kept going to the next guy. And finally found a guy that did it. And I just wanted to go to all those other people and said, oh, hey, by the way, wasn't us, but this guy ate your lunch, you know? But it was being told that wouldn't happen or couldn't happen. In all actuality, it could. But you're just led to believe that this is the industry standard. So it I'm was all, uh, really cool. No is not a bad thing. Yeah, and I believe there is a time and place for no. You know, I believe no has its place. And I'm like you, man. I'm an old school cat. So you and I were talking when you walked into the store earlier. Mm -hmm. You're like, man, and I'm an old school guy. I'm a handshake kind of guy. And I'm sitting here thinking, it's my kind of dude, right? It's my kind of guy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need a contract. He shakes hands, right? That's my kind of guy. And so old school guys like that with that old school thought of hard work, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the way in which we were brought up, mm -hmm. which is lost oh. by and large. Yeah. But that old school mentality, I got told no a lot. And I believe that there are the parameters that you have to adhere within as a child and as a parent and as these different people, right? We might be getting off track, but no exists for a reason. And I do believe in no. But man, when it, when it starts messing with your heart, that's when I don't believe in no. How do you suggest someone gets started not necessarily in the industry, but something you're passionate about or you have a, you know, you have, you got an idea or you want to go and be an entrepreneur. Like what advice would you give them? Yeah. I think all of you should answer I, this. Yeah. I, I guess my quick and easy and dirty would just be do it because don't wait for the right time. Cause there isn't a right time. And so it's just jump off the cliff and get dirty and figure it out because I mean, Earlier, it was touched upon that there were, you know, multiple iterations of the hog log and lots of failures. Like, don't be afraid to fail. Fail fast and fail, you know. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a term I used to use and I forget what it is, but it was like fail fast, fail often or whatever. Something like along those lines where don't be afraid to fail, but learn something from it mm -hmm. and figure out how to improve. So I think that's what most people are afraid of is not being successful and you're never going to be. And you just don't want to look back and have never tried. I think for me, it's just risk. You have to be willing to take that that chance that you will fail, that you won't make it. Um, and I've always kind of had a risky mentality uh, growing up and doing stupid things and getting in trouble and all that. It's just all risky things. Well, then when you get the opportunity to start a business with your buddies and you have no solid foundation at the end of the day that this will succeed... Uh, you've got to take the risk to, to go and make it happen. And you are the only one that can make that happen. Somebody else is not going to do everything for you. Um, so at the end of the day, you have to have the willpower to do so and have some, some risky feeling vibe about you to, to make it happen. And to also understand <clears throat> that there is risk in not taking risk. Yeah. My two cents on that is, I don't think in every scenario that it is it, that you're going to have to have this, but I do believe that it should be a prerequisite in your train of thought before you ever do go down the road of entrepreneurship. Not saying you're going to have to pull that card, but you might, is you have to be willing to put that above everything. And 
doesn't mean you're going to have to. doesn't mean you're, that is going to happen, right? Some people's businesses take off, and they don't need to put that in front of their family. They don't need to put that in front of their church. They don't need to put that in front of name it, right? There's other businesses that don't take off like that, and you have to put it in front of everybody else. And uh, I have sacrificed my family. I have sacrificed my girlfriend. I have sacrificed my personal life. I've sacrificed my finances. And I've had to do that because we weren't the, oh, you guys just invented the widget and you guys just bought a house in Tahiti. That didn't happen to us. It was the long days. And so I'm not saying you're going to have to do it, but if you're going to start something and you want to increase your chances of success, you have to be willing to say, at some point in time, I'm going to have to grab that gear. Am I willing to grab it? That's a hard gear to grab. And I, I would say I think that's probably uh, a, a characteristic trait of we are classified as millennials by technicality, by actual where we all follow our birthdays. We are, quote, unquote, millennials, mm -hmm. but none of us are millennials. Because we don't fall underneath the actual characteristic of a, of a millennial. You know, all of our parents, our grandparents, the people that we were taught from were blue-collar. Not always blue-collar, but hard-working Americans at any position that they had. And those values were instilled in us. And so I feel like the people that are young, younger than us, that want to be entrepreneurs, they don't have that edge. So they're going to have to teach themselves that type of work. And I think that's a huge advantage that we had going into this is that we were, we, we've, we've seen what hard work does. Mm -hmm. And we've been through hard work. And I think that's a huge, huge thing when going into the entrepreneurial world. How has technology uh, helped with what you guys do? Mm. I mean, the one that jumps out to me just knee-jerk answer to this would be just the if you if you would look at 15 years ago or 20 years ago um just i mean something as simple as the internet and cell phones and consumption of social media um all those things put together i mean if you look at our whole organization you know there's a, a part that's a tv show you've got a part that's a, a retail storefront which includes an online presence which includes you know the way that we mail packages and track packages and everyone's connected and you instantly get an email when something just the whole um that way was, that, that you was can a cold beer that i opened just oh, yeah. sorry go ahead john <laughs> but just just the way I, I think the way that media is consumed has played into attention spans and that has played into how much people can pay attention to certain things and what they think is cool and all kinds of different things. So that, I mean, it's made our job easier and harder at the same time. Mm -hmm. But just that whole world of the connected world is a nebulous, nebulous rabbit hole that you can go down. So technology really helped us to educate people about a product. When you look at what we did was we created a product called the hog log and it was in a space where nothing like that ever existed. And so it's not like we, we didn't redesign the car. We we essentially brought the wheel to market. You know, we, there was an idea that existed, and people made their own stuff out of willow branches, anywhere from willow branches to yeah. I'm looking at you, man. You're nodding. You did that probably when yeah. you were a kid. Yep. Blue. Uh, the blueberry. The berries that fell off the trees. Yeah. Some of mulberries. Yeah, mulberries. Dingleberries. Mm -hmm. Oh, dingleberries <laughs> too. Dingleberries, yep. yep. 
Yep, we have mm-hmm. to go pick them. Finger stain, put them on the hook. Right. All today. You said finger stink? Yeah. They, yeah. Yep, dingleberries. It's Stink yeah, bait. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's what, from the technological standpoint, uh, A, we had a big mountain climb because, number one, we were taking a product that when you say, oh, yeah, we created the Diddy Pole, 99.9% of people are going to go, what is that? Because actually, vernacular is going to be contingent upon your geographic location. So a lot of times, people might even know that what a ditty pole is, but they actually call it, you know, a bush hook. Because they live 781 miles away from where I'm standing right now. Not that you exactly the know the miles. Right. 781. You know what I mean, yeah, exactly. though. It's So we had the education piece, um, and the TV, it, it helped us. It helped it get it out to the masses that hey, this is a method in, that, that's legal, um, and also and here's a product that that basically solves all these other problems that you guys are dealing with: mm-hmm. tangle, mess, salvageability, da 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 da. Now, for the record, in the catfishing world, uh, most conventional guys and unconventional guys are at war right now. In fact, they're probably plotting as we speak to burn the other person's house down uh, when the when the guy goes to sleep. <laughs> that's probably what's happening. Uh, because the rod and reel guys hate the unconventional guys. Unconventional being the uh, trot line, bush hook, titty pole, yo-yo, jugs, uh, you name it, right? And so, and at the same time, the unconventional guys don't like the rod and reel guys because they feel like they're way high on this pedestal and they're better than everybody else. And so, we like for everybody to understand where we stand. Uh, we don't side with anybody. Here's where here's the side that we side on. We side we side on at least me. I'm not gonna speak for my guys. Here's where I sigh, is I sigh on what's right and just. Now, just think about that for a second, right? There's a way of doing things that are right and just. And if it's legal, and if it's ethical, and you're taking care of your fishery, who are you to question that individual on what he's doing? Because what's good for you may not be good for this guy, and what's good for this guy may not be good for you. And so that's the world we live in, is everybody thinks that the problem, that they've got the answer for all the problems, right? But they think that the answer to their problem is going to solve somebody else's problem. Well, I'm just I'm going to tell you that's not the way it works. So we created the hog log to streamline and, and create efficiencies for somebody. And it also gives somebody something to invest in. And when you invest in something, you take it home. So if you're putting $2 worth of equipment on the river, you're more apt to leave it on the river. If you're putting $35 worth of equipment on the river, you're more apt to bring it home. Nobody leaves their Matthews bow sitting in the woods because it wasn't easy to walk back to the house with it. And so that's what a lot of guys don't understand. What many guys don't get that don't like the Diddy Pole thing or the Hog Log thing that we're bringing this product to market is I've never in my in the five years of doing this heard of Hog Logs littering riverbanks. That's like saying that carbon maximas are littering the, the, the woodlots. It's not going to happen, friend. It's not. You're going to exhaust every effort you can to take that home. If you're like me and don't have a, you know, unlimited income, because I don't. Right. So that's the hog log. For the record. What inexpensive tool do you use that makes you excel? So a... Lifestyle question or a business question? Uh, lifestyle. Okay. 
Is it a camping thing or a fishing thing? Fishing. I feel like the aquaponics thing is that because I feel like the aquaponics is something that even your your basics your basic of dude if he really wanted to do it Mm -hmm. and he could do it. It's not overly expensive. You can do it in a ton of different combinations. You don't have to do what we did. And you build it to fit your need, essentially. You build it to fit your need and your budget. And and in my opinion, please correct me if I'm wrong here, Willie, I felt like that was a game changer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely saved us a ton of time. And uh, oh, crap moments. Describe what that is. So essentially what an aquaponic system is, is you have a holding tank filled with water. We use an IBC tank. But, I mean, it could be anything. You could pour a concrete pool and make an aquaponic system. But we have an IBC tank that we cut the top off of. We've kept the metal cage around that tank. Um, so then fill that up. I think it's right around 300 and some odd gallons of water that that, that holds. <clears throat> then we took another IBC tank and cut the bottom and cut the top off and essentially flipped them over so you have two grow beds. Um, and the way an aquaponic system works is your grow beds have to be above the water line of your holding tank so we've ev- elevated them and built like a little greenhouse shelter outside of a, a shack that's in my backyard hmm. um, and then you use just like your standard pond pump that you use to recirculate water or fountain pump um, and you pump that water out of that tank and it disperses out over the plants that you've planted in your grow beds and essentially the plants will then filter the ammonia which is the biggest fish killer in a bait tank um, so those plants will filter the ammonia and turn that into nitrites and nitrates, I believe. I'm not a science guru, um, <laughs> but turns those back into more suitable water for the fish, essentially, mm-hmm. and drains it back into the holding tank for the fish. So it's a big circle. Mm-hmm. The fish provide the food for the plants. The plants provide the um, filtration for the ammonia for the fish, um, and that way you're able to house large amounts of fish and grow insane plants. Like right now I have a tomato plant that might be in the running for the United States largest tomato plant. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he should probably register it for the state fair. For the Des Moines one. It's pretty (laughs) insane. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I want to see this thing. You're going to have to take a picture of it and send it to me. Yeah, it's a a very efficient system. I mean, it's very low maintenance. I think um, it gets a little more finicky in the summertime when it gets hot. Mm -hmm. But in spring and fall, it's it's awesome. Almost no maintenance whatsoever. Hmm. Um, but it gets a little finicky in the summertime with the hot weather, stagnant, less oxygen in the water, and it just one fish that dies can really spike a kind of reaction in your tank. But for the most part, uh, clean about once a week. Oh, right on. So. You got any? I mean, my mine could be totally free, um, but it's just, and it seems really obvious, but it's just like be organized and be ready. So anything from having shelves and having all your stuff in totes on shelves so that you're ready to go and you don't waste all that time getting stuff ready every time because I'm, I'm one of the, the newer dudes in the, in the crew and there I had to learn certain things. And if you forget something, if you forget your headlamp for a trip, it's like, Oh, that just ruined my week. Right. So it's just like putting stuff back in its place and that's maybe a really dumb no, one. No, it's not because after you've been on the road for you know out you know for seven days, you come back and you're tired and you're like, yeah, I'll get to that later. But yeah, it makes it makes you much more successful. And if you're like me, you need lists and you need things to be in their place, or you will forget them. Yeah, yeah. So 
I've I've done that before where I've gone on trips and forgotten stuff I needed and either cost me money or it cost me time or just convenience. So that'd be mine. So in the spirit for what uh, my good friend Jonathan Walrick just said, I'll share with you a picture that I sent over to these guys Sunday morning uh, at 9.46 a.m. I was in church, okay, because I think everybody needs it, especially me. <laughs> Yeah, everybody thinks it's the perfect people to go to church. Partner, no, it's not. Yeah. It's a it's a hospital for the broken, my friend. Here's so uh, one of the verses that came up over the overhead projector was, "But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way." And so I texted it to him. And the reason I texted it, not because of what he's saying, although this is very in line with what we're talking about, the reason that I sent it was because it was First uh, Corinthians fourteen forty. Now. I'm going to open up another can of worms. Oh, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to drop in on this one. Does anybody need a beer? Are we good? Oh, good. I might have to go run to the store and grab a case. <laughs> do you, do you want to take it? Take it. Oh no. I think this is either you or Willie, oh, man. even though I was there the night it was created, but so here, here's what's really interesting. And I don't, we're still trying to identify if the algorithm is coincidence. If this is strictly coincidental, or if it's truly something that is trying to slap us in the face. Because I think that we've all asked that question. Oh, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're extremely analytical individuals. So uh, a few years ago, there's a video of my, my dear friend sitting next to me, Mr. Niles Bailey, a.k.a. Willie, in which um, it was late at night, and uh, he was talking to another individual on the phone, that he had called, correct? An individual that he did not know personally. No. Most no. would classify this as a prank call. Yeah. May or may not have been. And Willie may or may not have been inebriated, okay? <laughs> no. Um, in which one of the things that Willie had said was, was, are you okay with me oh, yeah, telling this? Yeah, is, yeah, go right in. He mentioned to the guy a model number of a moped, correct? Correct, yes. Willie was trying to purchase a moped from the man and was asking him if it had a 14.4 turbo whistler in it. That is correct. Okay. And so... <laughs> a little, little backstory is that, that uh, I moved in with uh, Mr. Jonathan Walrick here uh, and his roommate, uh, another good friend of ours. And he, um, they had been pranking this gentleman, uh, asking him about purchasing this moped. Uh-huh. And uh, if I remember... Correctly, uh, there was a couple failed attempts to purchase this moped. You tell this story, I'll tell the backstory. Okay, and so um, essentially, I I uh, called it the fourteen four turbo whistler uh, during this this prank. <laughs> and uh, long story short, the number fourteen four reoccurs in our life. Oh, it just so it now it's it, it's, it's, it's all everywhere. the time. It's, it's all the time. That's awesome. We'll be we see fourteen four everywhere. Fourteen four clearance underneath the bridge. You could be going to the bank and, and your change is 14.4 cents. I mean, it is, it is unreal how many times this occurs within all of our lives. Yeah. Um, so there's two things that I want to touch on before I lose track of it. Number one, don't let me lose track, was this was, this was the number that was on the back of our shirt on our jersey. Yep. Okay. So we've made jerseys with this number on the back. So if you ever see this number, this is what this means. Okay. It is a reoccurring number that we see all the time that we're trying to figure out why we see it all the time. Because it's we see it all the time. All the time. I've probably had three instances this week 
buddy of mine, James Wynette, lives 15 miles north of where we're standing right now. Took a bike ride the other night. Took a screenshot of how far and distance that he traveled. Did this post. I'm scrolling through Facebook. 14.4 miles. I see this all the time. I texted it to these guys. And actually, when he texted that, uh, is it Corinthians? Yes. Th- that text on Sunday, I seconds later, I was looking through Facebook, and we had 1,404 likes on something. We had 1,404 likes at the same moment that I texted that over. Yeah. So it's just it's, it's ridiculous. It really is re- is weird. Your next product, fourteen four. Well, <laughs> right? It's actually it's the model number, right? Yeah. So the model number of our hog log internally within our inventory and our database is the fourteen four GDB. So it is a fourteen four. Right. A hog log is. I'll tell you what GDB means when we aren't recording this. <laughs> <laughs> And the GD has nothing to do with gosh darn. No, it does not. Thank you for nothing, clarifying nothing, that. Nothing to do with that. No, that's I hate that. Uh, yeah, I hate that word. Those two words together. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. So, 14.4. But all this spooled up from what Jonathan said earlier, and that was being organized. Being organized, man. And, and, and he's 100% right. He's really good at always having what he needs. And having a system for everything, and if and if he messes his own system up, typically he's the one that pays for it. And I know that we all kind of pay uh, attention to that about Jonathan. He's really good at that. Um, so that's, that's a great thing. I learned it from you, Dad. Thank you, son. <laughs> <laughs> even though you, even though you're three years younger than me, I learned it from you, Dad. Dude, I remember that too. That was super weird when it happened. When you were conceived, it was totally awkward. <laughs> Where'd you say oh, you were born? It was yeah. for me, too. <laughs> I got one more, and then we'll go into uh, just some quick one-liners. Commercial break? Uh, yeah, commercial break. Are we going to do word association, too? No, because I already learned you're the wordsmith, and I don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah, probably good, because I'd probably say some non-PC things. So I'm sure you get a lot of questions for people asking you, when's the right condition to fish? What's the best bait? What is the question they're not asking you that they should be asking you instead of the obvious? Mm. That's a really good question. That's a great question. And I got to tell you, your questions are great. Well, thank you. You've probably been, I'm going to go ahead and say it on the the record. You've been by far the most um, thoughtful individual that has ever interviewed us. Really? Yep. Just you've really thought your questions out great. All right, so what? Wait, we got that. What are we? What are they not asking you? Because I know there's questions they're not asking. Are you, you. trying to derive? Are you, are you trying to get to the answer of how to catch more fish? What's the answer? Yeah, you're is this camping? To find? Is this fishing? Is this the question that they're not asking business? to derive well, what qu- answer? You know what? We're gonna do them. We're gonna do all three of them for fishing, and these could be rapid fire too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is kind of along the lines, but I think just any more anything, just maybe it's not a question, but it's what they're doing, and as much time as you can spend in the space that you want to live in is ultimately going to make you better. So the more time you can be on the river is going to answer more of those questions. I can draw you pictures. I can point you in directions. I can explain things to you. But at the end of the day, when you get out on a river or on the lake or in the woods, you're going to be lost with not ever being there before. So I think just time, putting time in with anything is going to get you better. Super underrated. You're right. Putting time and Mm. learning not trying to do everything. Just focus in what you want to be great at and just focus on that. Very good. 
Any other comments on that? I don't think I can top that. That was really no, and it's funny because mine was going to be uh, kind of the same thing. But the question, "What are you learning?" So, like, people don't always stop and ask, "Like, what am I learning?" So, I might do the same thing ten times, and right, like, but are you really learning anything from it? So, are you stopping and analyzing what you're doing and thinking about cognitively, like, what was the weather like that day? What was just actually thinking about variables, right? <clears throat> Okay, we can then go to what questions don't they ask about camping? Hmm. For me, it's always you got to establish your goal. We just did this the other day. Johnny, it was yesterday. Johnny and I, I'm a whiteboard marker guy. And so I will write on whiteboards. I'll write on this table that we're doing, that we're on right now, right? And you just got to just got to get that out, right? And the thing is, is what's the goal? Because sometimes you can't have you can't have three different goals with them all being the goal and them all working interchangeably. It doesn't work like that sometimes. So I guess I'm going to dive a little deeper and say the question that they're not asking, I would have to know what their goal is. Is their intent to to have the best time? Is their intent to uh, and I just did a post on this. Actually, I think it just posted it was about your your tent location. That should have is that what you're doing over there on your cell phone when we were all, when we're all mm-hmm. talking, talking here, to doing Scott? An interview? That's awesome. Yeah. No wonder uh, I was great. No, actually, just to let you guys know, I scheduled it because I think ahead, but you guys can, you know, think like that. That's fine. That's how elementary guys think. Um. <laughs> I'm old enough <laughs> That's to be how all simple your Jack thinks. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, here we go, right here, 28 minutes ago. I posted this, guys. No, no big deal, 28 minutes 1440 ago. 1440 or something like right. that? Right. Yeah. Pretty close. And, it, and it's about, uh, it's about, your where you want your tent to be in camp no one thinks about that until it's 5 30 in the morning and the sun is screaming at your face and it's burning you up and you feel like you're in a sauna that's the only time you think about the tent location you don't ever really think about prevailing winds and so a lot we of have that here in yeah the Midwest. absolutely so the questions you need to be asking is what's the best camp experience that i can have well what are you looking for because if you're like us, we typically burn the midnight oil because we typically fish a lot at night. And we're doing a lot of night stuff, which means we're not up at 530 in the morning and nor do we want to be. However, there are other people who want to wake up at 530 in the morning and see a sunrise because they went to bed at 845 the night before. Right. You guys so rolled in at 4 a.m. So if, whenever. Right. So if you're wanting that 545 a.m. wake up with the sun on your face, put your tent over here. If you don't want that, stick it over here. And so we think a lot about that when we camp. Where's the sun coming up? Where's the sun going down? Where's the prevailing wind coming from? Maybe that's the question you should be asking. Because I can guarantee you that will make or break your trip. It can. The question is to ask yourself, what are you? What have you learned? And yeah. always continually ask that question of what What are you learning? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what You know, what are you analyzing? And what are you getting from that? So a lot of people come, you know, they're like, well, this is happening. Well, have you asked yourself why it's happening? Mm-hmm. But not everyone goes to that that level. Sure. If you if you haven't noticed the trend, which the trend Johnny is, yet is is data. Yeah, data. He's a data guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, the moral is to ask better questions. Think right. your question out. Because mm-hmm. you guys are answering questions all day, and if someone really has a chance to get in front of you, don't ask about the best bait. Ask a better question. Sure. To get to the point for the experience they want to have. 
it, it reminded me when we started, it was our last iteration of the final prototype of the hog log. And I recall we had a book that sat underneath the console on the boat. And it had, I can't remember how many columns were on it. I'd have to, I'd have to fish it out from the archives, but we still have it. It's got moon phase. It's got date, time, moon phase, bait, hook, depth of water, water temperature. Um, there's, there's eight to ten different things on there. And every time we set a pole, we'd fill this out. And we did that for the final prototype of the hog log to be able to tell people without a shadow of a doubt that this we caught, we caught more fish this way than we ever did before. What we used to do is we used to set, uh, we used to weight everything and drop it on the bottom. That's how we were taught. However, you can't really put a railroad spike in a hog lot kit. It's not efficient. Okay. So we got rid of that and we replaced that with a two ounce egg sinker and completely upset the way in which we did things. You remember that, Willie? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was, what? I mean, it was, hmm. we really upset the apple cart within our crew because it didn't seem right. But it worked. And it worked better. Goes back to Johnny's data. So when people ask us why we do what we do, it's because we spent nine years of our life or seven years of our life and nine generations of prototypes and $50,000 and three foreclosure notices perfecting something so well that we could tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that it works the best. That was real, brother. Thanks, man. Describe the hog log in one word. Ingenious. Efficient. Imperfect. That one will make you think. What's your favorite sound? Birds. Brap. A fiddle. Very slow. What are you terrible at? Business. <laughs> Life. Not being empathetical to somebody's feelings. I don't have time for feelings sometimes. It's a really big word. That must be German. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the one word that I got. <laughs> In another career life, you would do stuntman, cowboy, teach, crowboy, <laughs> <laughs> crowboy. <laughs> all right, this isn't one word, but uh, I'll ask, I'll ask all three of you, um, what would you want your legacy to be? When I'm gone, I want people to think about me from the standpoint of that guy was from a different time and recognized who came before him. That really means a lot to me is, uh, man, I love old people and I love people with scars and stories. It's like one of my favorite things. And uh, for people to say, he respected those who came before him. I'm good with that. I think that says a lot about a man being humble enough and paying homage to those who came before you. I'm okay with that. And I guess mine's kind of similar. I think you'll probably find once you have a couple beers with all of us, you'll find that we're very, we're largely the same guy that kind of arches into different areas of the of the Venn diagram but 
um, kind, genuine, caring, and like like he said, uh, one who's kind of lived by example. I definitely haven't always, but that's how I would like to be remembered as. Yeah, I think um, you know, you, all of us just want to live a life that where we're we're good to others and we're positive people, and we're not negative. And um, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to be remembered as somebody who's just a fun person to be around. I had a good time with that guy. He was a good person. He had a good heart, um, and killed some big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well done. All right, this is all you guys. Do you have any asks for the audiences? Where do you want them to visit you? Where do you want them to go online? Anything here? Go for it. Okay, well, let's just hit the the low-hanging fruit here. If you want more, you can hit us up at uh, info at mudbumusa.com. That is our email box that, that hits all of us. If you want to talk to people who are just in the store, mss at mudbumusa.com. That hits the people in the store. Um, including everybody that's here today. If you want to hit us up on Facebook, it's at the Mud Bums or at the Mud Bum Supply Shack. It's just Mud Bum Supply Shack, but yeah. Mud Bum Supply Shack. Uh, the Mud Bum Supply Shack Facebook page is brand new. Facebook, Instagram, we have those. Don't do much on Twitter. It's enough to maintain as it is right now. Our website is mudbumsupplyshack.com for the e-commerce side. If you're interested in product, uh, and the store and t-shirts and swag because just for the record we sell a lot of other things other than what we manufacture i.e. grunt style apparel we're a dealer for Gator Tracks boats we can design for you an awesome boat we are a uh, dealer for big frig coolers you can come here and get your big frig tumblers or your coolers um, so we do a lot of other things there I would say personally, the quickest way to my heart would be to call 515-850-1108 and prank call JT. Yeah. <laughs> or leave a voicemail if it's after hours. But man, there's nothing more we love than a prank call. And especially when it's on someone else. We love that. In fact, an hour and a half before we started this podcast, this is an actual talking point. We're, we're going to start giving out prizes <laughs> for the person that can provide the best prank call to our store. That's going to happen. So Johnny's not kidding. How else can they get a hold of us? Or what else do they need to know? I mean, I guess the other thing would be that we're, we're airing on Sportsman Channel and World Fishing Network, depending on time of year. So check the listings for that. Um, also, yeah, Facebook and and Instagram would be great ways to get videos, things like that. So, yeah, any, so any requests, reach out to us at those other channels and let us know what you guys want to see. Yes, let us know what you want. We love doing that kind of stuff. We love doing that kind of stuff. And to finish out, so we're in Season 5 right now. We've got half of Season 5 filmed. And the other half of Season 5, we're I think we're only doing one more episode catfishing. The rest of it's really... Interesting stuff. So the mud bums are going west and the mud bums are going north. So we're going to do some survival boundary water stuff and we're going to go out west. Uh, don't know if we're going to catch a trout or shoot a mountain lion in the face. We haven't decided. Or, or jump a or truck off of a cliff. We, we don't know. With a parachute on our back, that could happen. <laughs> uh, so that's what's coming in. That's what's in store for you in season five. 
Thank you for listening to the Big Frig My Way of Life podcast. Big Frig! Please subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or Google Play. For more info, please visit BigFrig.com. 